booster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine with your early news. And, of course, we have traffic, weather, sports, and business coming up, too. Here's your top five at five. This, this is the top five at five. Well, new stats showing gun arrests are down in New York City while crime is at record levels. NATO is sending fighter jets and ships to Eastern Europe as tensions between Ukraine and Russia escalate. Well, Joe Biden's support among black voters, it's declining. We have all the details of a new AP North poll. And a prediction from a top health official with the World Health Organization that the COVID-19 variant Omicron is on its way out. The U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to hear lawsuits alleging that colleges are using race in factoring admissions. All right, new data showing gun arrests in New York City. They are down over the past couple of weeks in the Big Apple. This as the city reels from Friday's deadly shooting in Harlem in which an NYPD officer was killed. His partner remains in critical condition this morning. The suspected gunman died on Monday. CompStat figures showing firearm arrests down by nearly one quarter for the first three weeks of 2022. The stat out just before New York City Mayor Eric Adams rolled out his gun violence prevention plan. We will start by putting more officers on patrol in key neighborhoods throughout the city. We will enhance existing public safety units with new neighborhood safety teams, which will focus on gun violence. Police have made 315 firearm arrests this year compared to 413 over the same time last year, and that's almost a 24 percent dip. The NYPD is rolling out a new hybrid plainclothes squad to combat gun violence. The new neighborhood safety teams will be staged in the top 30 commands where shootings surged throughout last year. As tensions escalate between Russia and Ukraine, NATO announced on Monday that it's deploying additional ships and fighter jets to stage in Eastern Europe. So this comes as the Pentagon is putting 8,500 troops on high alert for deployment to Eastern Europe. They will deploy if the NATO response force is activated upon a possible invasion. Here's Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby. This is about sending a strong message uh, that we're committed to NATO and we're committed to uh, assuring that our allies have the capabilities they need in case they need to defend themselves. Russia has 100,000 military troops right at the Ukraine border. It's to pressure Ukraine not to join NATO, fearing further Western influence in that region. Ukraine declared independence from the USSR back in 1991. Support among black Americans for President Joe Biden is waning in line with other groups. Now, a new poll finds that just six in 10 black Americans polled said they approve of President Biden. That according to a recent poll done by the Associated Press Newark Center for Public Affairs Research. So this is down from about nine in 10 who approved of Biden's performance in polls conducted throughout the first six months of his presidency. Here's Biden. The fact is that there is... There's a timing that is not of one's own choice. It's somewhat dictated by events that are happening in country and around the world as to what the focus is. But part of the problem is, as well, I have not been 
out in the community nearly enough. All right. And during the first six months of Biden's presidency, nine out of 10 black Americans said that Americans said that they did support President Biden. Biden has, though, retained the support of Representative Jim Clyburn. He's the third ranking Democrat in the U.S. House of Representatives and a powerful figure in South Carolina. Rather than fault Biden about voting rights, Clyburn has focused his criticism on the two Democrats who doomed new voting rights legislation, Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona. Well, some positive predictions about the viral pandemic related to Omicron from a top World Health Organization official. Dr. Hans Klug is head of the health organization in the European region. Now, he thinks the Omicron variant could enter a new phase of stabilization and normalization. Here's Klug on Good Morning Europe. We anticipate that there will be a period of quiet before the COVID-19 may come back towards end of the year, but not necessarily the pandemic coming back. So Klug pointed to Omicron causing less severe disease than Delta, even though it is highly transmissible. Klug did point to huge disparities in countries where lower vaccination rates are seen, where he warned lower vaccination rates could lead to the emergence of new variants. 77 WABC time check, 507. Let's head over to the traffic desk with Mike Garcia. Thank you, Deb. Well, it looks like the George Washington Bridge, Lincoln, and Holland Tunnels are all cleared and good to go. However, at the New Jersey Turnpike North between Exit 14 and Exit 13, all lanes are closed due to a tractor-trailer fire. On the Verrazano Bridge, all lanes are closed for the lower-level Brooklyn-bound and lower-level Staten Island-bound are closed due to con- construction. As a reminder, both east and westbound West 135th Street between 7th and 5th Avenue are all closed due to Friday's fatal police shooting. For transit at the Staten Island tr- uh, Railway, trains will run every 20 minutes during the morning and afternoon rush hours this week. The rush hour times are 7 to 9 a.m. and 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. Alternate side parking rules are in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your chart report on 77 WABC. Thanks, Mike, and your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly sunny day today, warmer. The high up to 43 winds to 14 miles per hour. We do have a 20% chance of snow showers until just 10 this morning. The overnight low is 21, mostly clear skies. Another sunny day tomorrow. The high 27 winds to 16 miles per hour. Right now in the Big Apple, 35 degrees. Partly clear skies and picking up now with our fifth story in your top five at five. The U.S. Supreme Court yesterday agreed to hear two cases against U.S. colleges for allegedly penalizing Asian-Americans and using race as a factor in admissions. The nonprofit group Students for Fair Admissions is representing these plaintiffs. Now, one claim is against Harvard University. The other is against the University of North Carolina. Harvey would argue that its admission process did not, in fact, discriminate against Asian Americans. The court's ruling could affect affirmative action and equity programs throughout higher education. Well, as we did mention in the top five at five, New York City Mayor Eric Adams unveiled a series of initiatives yesterday to combat rising crime. So in part, it targets the flow of illegal guns and escalating shootings throughout the five boroughs. The blueprint to end gun violence is being launched immediately. It includes more officers out there on the streets. Here's Mayor Adams. These officers will be identifiable as NYPD. They will have body cameras and they will have enhanced training and oversight. 
Crime escalated in all five major categories last year, except one burglary. Gun arrests are down nearly one quarter for the first three weeks of this year, according to Crimestat figures. The mayor's remarks follow the shooting of five police officers so far in 2022. On Friday, 22-year-old officer Jason Rivera fatally shot Friday while responding to a domestic violence call in Harlem. His partner, Wilbert Moore, remains in critical condition this morning. The suspected gunman died yesterday. And this suspected gunman, LaShawn McNeil, allegedly opened fire on those two officers in Harlem as he bolted from a back bedroom and attempted to flee the scene. He was shot by a third officer. Police say McNeil was shot in his head and right arm. Now, according to police, McNeil had been arrested five times prior to Friday's deadly encounter. He was on probation after being convicted of a felony drug charge in New York City. That was in 2003. McNeil was also arrested four times outside of the city on various charges, including assault on a police officer and weapons possession. McNeil also had a history of posting anti-police and anti-government messages on social media. The 45 caliber Glock McNeil allegedly used to shoot those two officers was stolen out of Baltimore in 2017. Meanwhile, McNeil's mother told the New York Post she wishes that she never made that 911 call that led to the deadly shooting that killed one NYPD officer, left his partner in critical condition, and also led to the shooting death of her son. A weeping Shirley Sorzies told the New York Post she is absolutely beside herself prior to her son's death. 77 WABC's Lydia Serrani spoke with the Post Tina Moore about their conversation with Soares. And uh, that report is coming up during the early news. The Soares family later declined comment on their son's death. Now, Officer Revere's wake, meanwhile, is Thursday. The funeral is Friday, both being held at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. Well, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is walking back his highly controversial January 3rd memo to prosecutors in his office. The memo said only the most serious crimes would be prosecuted. Bragg also apologized Monday during an interview with the Citizens Crime Commission. He called his memo unclear and legalistic. The, the way it was done uh, caused confusion, uh, understandably left the wrong impression about how I will enforce New York's laws. Uh, and I take full responsibility for, for that confusion caused by the memo. Bragg also told a panel at New York uh, University Law School that New Yorkers were left with the wrong impression over his memo, which he said offered guidelines. Bragg said armed robberies and violence against police officers will be prosecuted as felonies. Here's former NYPD Police Commissioner Howard Safer on The Rita Cosby Show. It's this continual revolving door where people commit crimes, are let out on bail, given light sentences and go right back out on the street and it ends up in this horrendous tragedy uh, where Officer Rivera was killed and Officer Mora is in critical condition. It's, it's, it's a disgrace. Also, Paul DiGiacomo, who's president of the Detectives Endowment Association, described Bragg's policies as reckless and dangerous. That was in a letter to New York's Governor Kathy Hochul. The Democratic governor, though, has not to date commented on the controversy surrounding the progressive DA publicly. Bragg, of course, a former federal prosecutor, made history back in November when he was elected as the first black American to serve as DA in New York City following the retirement of longtime DA Cyrus Vance Jr. An armed, mentally ill man attempted to gain access to New York City Hall yesterday. Police say the man was tasered by officers and then arrested. 
Now, according to cops, the man was wearing a tool belt, and that tool belt contained a hatchet and a hammer. City Hall personnel and the NYPD responded. The man actually did remove his tool belt, but was then tasered after continuing, police say, to be aggressive. Nobody hurt here. The man ended up being taken to Bellevue Hospital for a psychiatric evaluation. No injuries. It's unknown if Mayor Eric Adams was actually at City Hall at the time of that attempted break-in by that man. A controversy surrounding Brooklyn Congressman Hakeem Jeffries. His name's been touted as a possible replacement for Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who is expected to retire, although she has made no formal announcement. Now, public records show Jeffries and his family live in a condo unit in Red Hot Prospect Heights, Brooklyn, where they're paying only $213 a year in property taxes. Now, on average, most city homeowners are paying more than 5000 bucks in property taxes. Jeffries is taking advantage of a law that he supported when he served in the New York State Assembly. Housing advocates have long complained that this bill, 421-A, the abatement program, is skewed towards wealthy developers and well-to-do tenants. The law provides tax breaks for developers and residents over 25 or 35 years. That in exchange for making at least 20 percent of their apartments affordable for moderate to low-income residents. Now, according to the Comptroller's Office, this subsidy program costs the city treasury up to $1.6 billion a year in property taxes. 77 WABC Time Check, 515. I'm Deb Brown, one time with your early news, and joining us now is Justin Ellick with a look at sports. Yes, I do have that look at sports, Deb. I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. Let's dive in with the Knicks in Cleveland up against a solid Cavaliers team. Longtime Cav Kevin Love shine for the home squad, dropping in 20 points, including nine straight in a three-point barrage during the third quarter. Top scorer for the Knickerbockers was shooting guard R.J. Barrett, who registered 24 points on 9 of 16 shooting. The Knicks needed more, though, as they fall 95 to 93. Up next for the Knicks is a trip to South Beach tomorrow night to take on the Miami Heat. As for the Nets, they're in Brooklyn tonight to host the L.A. Lakers at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's check on local NHL action from last night. Just the Rangers were at home against the L.A. Kings. Three periods wasn't enough, and neither was an overtime period as a shootout was needed to settle this one at the Garden. Enter Adam Fox, who scored the deciding goal for the Rags in the sixth round of said shootout to lift the Blue Shirts to a 3-2 win at home. Fox against Quick. The great Sam Rosen on the call. The Blue Shirts won't skate again until Thursday when they battle the, the uh, when they will battle the Blue Jackets in Columbus. Islanders and Devils will both be in action tonight as the Isles are at home against the Flyers at 7:30 p.m. Eastern, and the Devils have the Dallas Stars in Newark at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Here are the early news sports update. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, another stellar job by Justin and your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly sunny day today. Yes, it will be warmer. Finally, the high 43 winds to 14 miles per hour. Now, we do have just a 20% chance of snow showers. That's till 10 this morning. The overnight low dips down to 21 with mostly clear skies. And then sunshine tomorrow, the high 27 winds to 16 miles per hour. Right now, we have a reading of 34 degrees. In New York City, partly cloudy skies. All right, time for Frank Morano with your business report. 
I'm Frank Morano with your business report. It was a real roller coaster ride on Monday as concerns about interest rates, corporate earnings, and fears of a possible Russian invasion of Ukraine rattled investors to start the week, but then investors bought the dip. Stocks rebounded late in the session as investors snapped up tech shares. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones gained 99 points. It had been down 1,100 points earlier in the day and hadn't finished in the black for a week. The S&P 500 added 12 points. The Nasdaq rose 86 points. Analysts at Goldman Sachs say the Federal Reserve could hike interest rates more times than expected this year as it aims to curtail the ongoing inflation surge. Goldman's current projections call for four rate hikes in 2022, with hikes coming in March, June, September, and December. The Fed is set to tighten monetary policy in the coming months, with efforts to include rate hikes and trimming of the central bank's nearly $9 trillion in bond holdings. The central bank's last rate hike occurred in December 2019, months before the COVID pandemic began. Bitcoin investors were not pleased as Bitcoin fell by as much as 10% in trading on Monday, capping losses that have totaled 20% during the past week and wiped off a trillion dollars in the crypto market's total value since November. As of Monday morning, Bitcoin was trading at around 7.5% lower than on Friday. The price of one Bitcoin was just over $34,000, a drop of more than 45% from early November when it reached an all-time high of over $67,000 on its own. Bitcoin has lost more than $600 billion in market value. The crypto market as a whole has suffered losses exceeding a trillion dollars, the second largest decline in the brief history of the digital currencies. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. All right. Thanks, Frank Morano. And Deb Valentine with your early news. And, of course, we have more sports, traffic, weather, and business coming up throughout the hour. President Joe Biden took aim at a Fox News White House correspondent yesterday, Peter Ducey, hurling an unsavory insult at Ducey after Ducey asked Biden about soaring inflation. Now, the president called Ducey a stupid son of a bee, and it's a word we actually can't say here on the 77 WABC Airwaves. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a All right, so the White House went into spin mode. Biden actually ended up calling Ducey to apologize later in the day following that hostile exchange. And then Ducey was a guest on Hannity with host Sean Hannity. I made sure to tell him that I'm always going to try to ask something different than what everybody else is asking. And uh, he said, you've got to. And that's a quote from the president. So I'll keep doing it. All right. And the president's insult was cut from the White House video feed, but recorded on video, which was streamed by C-SPAN. Ducey's question about inflation came after a Fox News poll released on Sunday found that 85 percent of Americans are worried about inflation. Inflation has hit a 40-year high of 7 percent. That was back in December. Well, also on the increase, violent carjackings are on the increase all across the nation and blamed lax policies on crime and also changes in our driving habits during COVID-19. 
There have been more than 1,800 carjackings reported in Chicago last year and over 500 cases logged right here in New York City. Now, last November, Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown revealed that an 11-year-old boy is believed to have committed several of the vehicular hijackings. The, unfortunately, this is a sad uh, state of affairs. Unfortunately, this 11-year-old has been arrested before, and he is considered a prolific carjacker in our city. Meanwhile, three carjackings took place within an hour of each other in Manhattan on Wednesday, January 12th. They remain unsolved. In New York City, a 14-year-old boy was arrested this past Sunday for allegedly pummeling two men and trying to carjack one of the victims late last month in the Bronx. The teen's dad ended up turning this 14-year-old in about 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning in connection with that December 29th incident on Southern Boulevard in Foxhurst. Police say the teen ended up being charged with attempted robbery and assault. COVID-19 cases are continuing to decline in the United States and especially in the Northeast as infections are down 12 percent from last week. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, said Sunday that the nation was heading in the right direction. Here he is on ABC. If the pattern follows the trend that we're seeing in other places, such as the Northeast, I believe that you will start to see a turnaround throughout the entire country. Former FDA Director Dr. Scott Gottlieb said that this recent drop in cases means that health officials should soon drop mask mandates in schools and vaccine mandates. Here is Gottlieb on CNBC. The schools that have relied on them that don't have other forms of mitigation, it's all they can do. And so in the setting of an epidemic right now, you don't want to withdraw the use of masks for schools that have come to rely on them. But when we do start to improve That should be the first thing that we look at because we know that they're disruptive to children. We know that they've had a cumulative impact on the socialization of kids in schools. And deaths are rising despite the fall reported in cases over the past week, 12 percent here in the Northeast. Now, these deaths have eclipsed 2,000 per day for the first time since late September. The Black Lives Matter chapter down in Washington, D.C., has called for the public not to automatically hail cops shot on the job as heroes before all facets of a situation are actually considered. Now, in a series of tweets late Sunday, Black Lives Matter D.C. said the public should not jump to conclusions after a metropolitan police officer was wounded by a barricaded suspect late Sunday in the city's Petworth section. The Black Lives Matter group tweeted that reaction and news coverage of the shooting was tilted towards law enforcement. While tweeting out an incomplete list of people killed by Metropolitan Police during incidents last year. Now, the group also included a link to its hashtag Stop MPD campaign. The campaign calls for an end to police violence and terror while pushing back on counterclaims that not all cops are bad officers. All right, more crimes. Six people found dead inside of a Milwaukee home on Sunday, all believed to be victims of a homicide. They were discovered during a welfare check. And as we know this morning, the killer on the run, residents from nearby homes in that Milwaukee neighborhood stood outside the crime scene in shock. We are sick and tired of it. And we as a community, that means all of us have to be sick and tired of it enough that we step up and do something. 
And according to the medical examiner's office in Milwaukee, eight homicides were counted in Milwaukee County over the weekend. That brings this year's total to 21 compared to just nine during the same span last year. Investigations and all of those continue. Out in California, Los Angeles authorities say four people were killed when multiple suspects believed connected to gangs ambushed a house party and started shooting. Police responded to that incident around 1.40 in the morning Sunday to reports of a shooting at a home in the city of Inglewood. Neighbors heard the gunfire. I've been living here 25 years and this had blocked, so it's a surprise to everyone. And officers discovered two women dead at the scene. Two men were also shot and killed. Another man was hospitalized in critical condition, expected to survive. And the mayor there, James T. Butt, said the number of shooting victims was the largest in a single crime scene since the 1990s. Well, the Taliban is demanding the release of $10 billion in assets that were frozen by the United States and European countries. This demand came as Taliban officials kicked off their first meeting in Oslo, Norway, with Western officials since seizing Afghanistan control following U.S. withdrawal back in August. Here's a Taliban delegate, Saifi Ula Azam. This type of uh, invitation and communication will help European community, U.S., or many other countries uh, to erase the wrong picture of uh, the Afghan government. Azam is part of the Taliban's all-male delegation. He said the three days of meetings with officials from the U.S., France, Britain, Germany, Italy, the European Union, and Norway were a step to legitimize the Afghan government. You'll remember the Islamist group took over the government of Afghanistan after marching into the capital of Kabul on August 15th as the Biden administration scrambled to evacuate not only U.S. citizens, but Afghan allies as well. 77 WABC time check at 527. Let's head over to the traffic desk with Mike Garcia. Thank you, Deb. Good morning, everyone. The George Washington Bridge, Lincoln and Holland Tunnels are all still cleared and good to go, but still you need to travel safely. The New Jersey Turnpike north between exit 14 and exit 13, the lanes are closed due to a tractor trailer fire that occurred this morning. On the Verrazano Bridge, all lanes are closed for the lower level Brooklyn bound and lower level Staten Island bound are closed due to construction. As a reminder, both east and westbound West 135th Street between 7th and 5th Avenue are closed due to Friday. Friday's fatal police shooting. For transit at the Staten Island Railway, trains will run every 20 minutes during the morning and afternoon rush hour this week. The rush hour times are from 7 to 9 a.m. and 4.30 to 7.30 p.m., so please plan accordingly. Alternate side parking rules are in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your travel report on 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Mike. And your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly sunny day today. I'm sure you'll be happy to hear it will be a bit warmer. Today's high. 43 winds to 14 miles per hour. We do, though, have a 20% chance of snow showers until just 10 this morning. Overnight, mostly clear skies. The low dips to 21. Another sunny day tomorrow. The high 27 winds to 16 miles per hour. Right now, we're holding steady. 34 degrees in Manhattan, partly cloudy skies. Well, the uh, Connecticut Financial Advisor, you may have seen this one online and uh, also on social media, who was arrested and fired for going on an alleged racist tirade on Saturday at a smoothie shop, is being flooded with bad online reviews. This guy's name is James Ian Nazo. He was hit 
by more than 1,000 one-star ratings on Google, and that after he was caught on camera throwing a smoothie at a teenage employee and calling her a effing immigrant in a wild scene at a Robex that was in Fairfield, Connecticut. The reviews pop up on Google's main search results for Ian Azzo's name, where he is listed as a financial consultant. Now, this guy was let go from his job as a managing director at Merrill Lynch after footage started going viral of that wild encounter over the weekend. And police have charged the man with intimidation based on bigotry or bias, breach of peace and criminal trespass. 77 WABC News Time 530. Deb Valentine with your early news. We'll be back with more news, sports, weather, traffic, and business right after the break. Entertaining and informative. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine. Not only do we have your early news, but also sports, weather, traffic, and business coming up as well. Here's your top five at 530. It's the top five at 530. New stats show that gun arrests are down, down in New York City while crime is at record levels. NATO sending fighter jets and ships to Eastern Europe as tensions between Ukraine and Russia escalate. Joe Biden's support among black voters, it's declining. We have all the details of a new AP NORC poll. A prediction from a top health official with the World Health Organization that the COVID-19 variant Omicron is on its way out. The U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to hear lawsuits alleging that colleges are using race as a factor in admissions. All right, new data showing that gun arrests here in New York City are down, down over the past couple of weeks in New York City. This as New York City reels from Friday's deadly shooting in Harlem, in which an NYPD officer was killed just 22 years old. His partner remains in critical condition. The suspected gunman died on Monday. Now, CompStat figures show firearm arrests down by nearly one quarter for the first three weeks of this year. These new stats out just before New York City Mayor Eric Adams Monday rolled out his gun violence prevention plan. We will start by putting more officers on patrol in key neighborhoods throughout the city. We will enhance existing public safety units with new neighborhood safety teams, which will focus on gun violence. Police have made 315 firearm arrests so far this year. Now, that compares to 413 over the same time last year. So that's almost a 24% decline. The NYPD is rolling out a new hybrid plainclothes squad to combat gun violence, though. This new neighborhood safety team approach will stage officers in the top 30 commands where shootings surged throughout 2021. As tensions escalate between Russia and Ukraine, NATO announced on Monday that it's deploying additional ships and fighter jets to Eastern Europe. This comes as the Pentagon is putting 8,500 troops on high alert for deployment to Eastern Europe. They will deploy if the NATO response force is activated upon a possible invasion. Here's Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby. 
this is about sending a strong message uh, that we're committed to NATO and we're committed to uh, assuring that our allies have the capabilities they need in case they need to defend themselves. Russia has 100,000 military troops staged at the Ukraine border. It's to pressure Ukraine not to join NATO, fearing further Western influence in the region. Ukraine declared independence from the USSR back in 1991. A support among black Americans for President Joe Biden is waning in line with other groups and other polls. Now, a new poll out finds that just six in 10 black Americans polled said they approve of Biden. That according to a recent poll done by the Associated Press Newark Center for Public Affairs Research. So this is down from about nine and ten who approved of Biden's performance in earlier polls that were conducted during the first six months of the Biden presidency. Here's the president. The fact is that there is there's a timing that is not of one's own choice. It's somewhat dictated by events that are happening in country and around the world as to what the focus is. But part of the problem is, as well, I have not been out in the community nearly enough. All right. Despite this uh, decline in support among black Americans, the president has retained the support of Representative Jim Clyburn. He's a third ranking Democrat in the U.S. House and a powerful figure in South Carolina. And rather than fault Biden about things like voting rights, Clyburn has instead focused his criticism on the two Democrats who doomed new voting rights legislation, Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona. Well, some positive predictions about the viral pandemic related to Omicron from a top World Health Organization official. Dr. Hans Klug is head of the health organization in the European region. Now, he thinks the Omicron variant could enter a new phase of stabilization and normalization. Here's Klug on Good Morning Europe. We anticipate that there will be a period of quiet before the COVID-19 may come back towards end of the year, but not necessarily the pandemic coming back. So Klug pointed to Omicron causing less severe disease than Delta, even though it is highly transmissible. He did point to huge disparities in countries where there are lower vaccination rates, where he warned those lower vaccination rates could lead to the emergence of new variants. 77 WABC News, time 537. And let's head over to the traffic desk with Mike Garcia. Yes, thank you, Deb. Uh, still looks like that George Washington Bridge and Lincoln and Holland Tunnels are uh, cleared and good to go. However, there seems to be something going on on the outbound side of the George Washington Bridge. We'll get that. We'll get to that in a moment. The New Jersey Turnpike North between Exit 14 and Exit 13, all lanes are closed due to a tractor-trailer fire. On the Verrazano Bridge, all lanes are closed for the lower level Brooklyn bound and lower level Staten Island bound are closed due to construction. As a reminder, both east and westbound 135th Street between 7th and 5th Avenue are closed due to Friday's uh, fatal police shooting. On the Cross Bronx Expressway, there seems to be delays that are due to a disabled tractor trailer on the outbound upper George Washington Bridge. So please ensure that you take an alternate route. Alternate side parking rules are in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your traffic report on 77 WABC. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A mostly sunny day today. Our highs 43 winds to 14 miles per hour. We do have a 20% chance of snow showers until about 10 this morning. The overnight low 21, mostly clear skies. Sunshine tomorrow, the high 27. 
Light winds to 16 miles per hour. Deb Valentine with your early news and picking up with our fifth story in our top five at 530 before we get to 77 WABC's Lydia Serrano, who spoke with the Post, Tina Moore. Just uh, details on that last story. Uh, The U.S. Supreme Court Monday, yes, agreed to hear those two cases against U.S. colleges for allegedly penalizing Asian Americans and using race as a factor in admissions. This nonprofit group, Students for Fair Admissions, represents the plaintiffs here. Now, one claim is against Harvard University, the other against the University of North Carolina. And uh, the court's ruling on these could affect affirmative action and equity programs throughout higher education, depending upon the decision by the high court. As we reported on earlier, new details continue to emerge in the double shooting of NYPD officers Rivera and Moore. Friday in Harlem, Rivera shot fatally Moore Moore in critical condition. The New York Post, Tina Moore, spoke exclusively to the killer's mother and revealed never heard before details of that crime. WABC Radio's Lydia Serrani has that report. And this is Lydia Serrani, and on the line with me right now is the New York Post Police Bureau Chief, Tina Moore. Hi, Tina, how are you? Hi, Lydia, I'm fine, thank you. We have to talk about that article you wrote regarding LaShawn McNeil's mother. She says had she known what was going to happen, she would have never made that 911 call. However, my issue with her is if you listen to the 911 call, she never once says that there were weapons in the apartment, which I find hard to believe that she did not know. Right. She says she didn't know, according to our police sources. Uh, she says she didn't know he had guns. She says she had told him not to bring guns into the home, actually. And um, we've since learned that there was a, a, there was a rifle under the bed that he didn't even use in the shooting. So he had more guns than were even used in the shooting. So what happens is that the mom calls 911. She tells them that her son's... Did she even tell them he was in the back bedroom? I don't believe so. I, I don't think they even knew he was in there. Right. And this was a very narrow hallway. And then out of nowhere, McNeil comes out shooting. And this is they were just kind of almost trapped. Yeah, they opened the door. It's my understanding. And he was there and he just started shooting. Um, I'm told he shot at the first officer. When that officer fell, he continued to shoot at him. uh, And then he shot the second officer. uh, And then a a third officer who was also in the apartment uh, um, came in and shot him. This this was an execution. This was an ambush. It sounds like to me. Yes, yes. And this is just horrific. A lot of people are saying that had the mom known that there were guns in the apartment and she didn't tell 911 that, she didn't tell the operators that, then she is responsible for the deaths of, of, of Rivera as well. Yeah, I mean, and the, the word is that they, the sources, police sources say they had been arguing, uh, the mom and son, on the way home from Baltimore about his uh, mental problems and his um, guns, the fact that he loved guns so much. How are police feeling right now? I I can't even imagine the overwhelming sadness and and disappointment. This was a guy, Officer Rivera, who just loved being a cop and wanted to be an inspiration to everyone around him. It's just incredibly sad. I think most officers are just just beside themselves about it because it's, it's so... It's so troubling that that this guy was in there who hated cops so much that he would just execute them like this just on sight. Well, thank you so much, Tina Moore of the New York Post. Come back anytime and keep up the great work. Thanks, Lydia. Thank you. Thank you. And again, this is Lydia Serrani for 77 WABC News. All right. Thanks, Lydia. And thanks, Tina. Meanwhile, the mother of the shooter not being charged with a crime at this time. The WABC Early News. And also another story about that fallen officer, seven-year-old paying tribute to this fallen NYPD officer, Jason Rivera. The seven-year-old, Ivis Alvarez, says he wants to be a hero, just like the fallen rookie officer. 
And credited with this story is News 12 reporter Mary Lynn Buckley. Now, she tweeted on Sunday that Alvarez donned his police officer Halloween costume at the Memorial Fort Rivera outside of Harlem's 32nd Precinct two days after the fatal shooting. Buckley wrote, he said he wants to be a hero, just like Officer Rivera. And the Police Benevolent Association ended up retweeting the photo and said the touching image shows why police officer Jason Rivera will never be forgotten. Right, a hate crime targeting a Hasidic Jewish man under investigation in Brooklyn. The NYPD says the 21-year-old man was punched in his face in the area of Troy Avenue and Carroll Street. This happened about 1.20 a.m. Saturday. The man was wearing clothing typically worn by those of the traditional Hasidic Jewish faith. Now, police say the suspect crossed the street, approached the victim, and punched him in his face, leaving the man disoriented. He was treated at the scene by EMS and the NYPD's hate crime task force now investigating. The NYPD total year-end hate crime stats show that the department received almost 540 reports of hate crimes last year. Now, that is up 96 percent from 2020. Disgraced politician Sheldon Silver has died in prison. At the age of 77, the once powerful Albany Democrat was convicted on federal corruption charges for accepting $4 million in bribes while in office. Silver died at a medical center in Massachusetts near where he was serving a six-and-a-half-year sentence. 77 WABC's Dominic Carter interviewed Silver during his trial. That was back in 2018. You said earlier that you may be acquitted. You feel you'll be acquitted. I think justice will be done, and that means I will be acquitted. All right, but that did not end up being the case. Instead, Silver was sentenced to six and a half years in prison. You'll remember he was Speaker of the New York State Assembly from 1994 to 2015, and the Manhattan native from the Lower East Side served in the New York State Assembly from 1977 to 2015. Silver's official cause of death will be determined by a medical examiner. Silver did have a history of chronic kidney disease as well as cancer. All right, 77 WABC time check, 545. And Justin Ellis has returned for another look at sports. Hey, Justin. Hey, Deb. I hath returned for another early news sports update. Let's dive in with the Knicks in Cleveland last night up against a solid Cavaliers team. Longtime Cav Kevin Love shined for the home squad, dropping in 20 points, including nine straight and a three-point barrage during the third quarter. Top scorer for the Knickerbockers was shooting guard R.J. Barrett, who registered 24 points on 9 of 16 shooting from the floor. The Knicks needed more, though, as they fall 95-93 to on the road. Up next for the Knicks is a trip to South Beach tomorrow night to take on the Miami Heat. As for the Nets, they're in Brooklyn tonight to host the Los Angeles Lakers at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's check on local NHL action from last night. Just the Rangers were in action at home against the L.A. Kings. Three periods wasn't enough, and now there was an overtime period as a shootout was needed to settle this one at the Garden. Enter Adam Fox, who scored the deciding goal for the Rags in the sixth round of said shootout to lift the Blue Shirts to a 3-2 win at home. Fox against Quick. Electric call from Sam Rosen. The Blue Shirts won't skate again until Thursday when they'll battle the Blue Jackets in Columbus. Islanders and Devils will both be in action tonight as the Isles are at home against the Flyers at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And the Devils have the Dallas Stars in Newark at 7 p.m. 
Here with your early news sports update, I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. All right, Justin. Who was that weighing in saying spectacular? Who was that? Who is that? Who I, is I that? think it's... It's spectacular. A, it's a drop we actually use for uh, for Bernie and Sid in the morning a bunch. I, All right. I don't and know exactly who it is. Bernie and Sid in the morning are coming up at 6, so keep it here to 77 WABC. And your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center, mostly sunny today, our high 43 winds to 14 miles per hour. We have a 20% chance of snow showers till 10, mostly clear overnight, the low down to 21. Another sunny day tomorrow, the high 27 winds to 16 miles per hour. And, yes, we're holding steady still. At 34 degrees, partly cloudy skies. Time for Frank Morano with your business report. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. It was a real roller coaster ride on Monday as concerns about interest rates, corporate earnings, and fears of a possible Russian invasion of Ukraine rattled investors to start the week, but then investors bought the dip. Stocks rebounded late in the session as investors snapped up tech shares. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones gained 99 points. It had been down 1,100 points earlier in the day and hadn't finished in the black for a week. The S&P 500 added 12 points. The Nasdaq rose 86 points. Analysts at Goldman Sachs say the Federal Reserve could hike interest rates more times than expected this year as it aims to curtail the ongoing inflation surge. Goldman's current projections call for four rate hikes in 2022, with hikes coming in March, June, September, and December. The Fed is set to tighten monetary policy in the coming months, with efforts to include rate hikes and trimming of the central bank's nearly $9 trillion in bond holdings. The central bank's last rate hike occurred in December 2019, months before the COVID pandemic began. Bitcoin investors were not pleased as Bitcoin fell by as much as 10% in trading on Monday, capping losses that have totaled 20% during the past week and wiped off a trillion dollars in the crypto market's total value since November. As of Monday morning, Bitcoin was trading at around 7.5% lower than on Friday. The price of one Bitcoin was just over $34,000, a drop of more than 45% from early November when it reached an all-time high of over $67,000 on its own. Bitcoin has lost more than $600 billion in market value. The crypto market as a whole has suffered losses exceeding a trillion dollars, the second largest decline in the brief history of the digital currencies. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. 77 WABC time check, 549. Deb Valentine with your early news as we work our way to the Bernie and Sid in the Morning program coming up at 6. Well, some fireworks yesterday between President Biden and Fox News White House correspondent Peter Ducey. Biden hurled an unsavory insult at Ducey after Ducey asked Biden about soaring inflation. The president called Ducey a stupid son of a bee. It's a word we can't say over the airwaves. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a... Biden called Ducey to apologize later in the day as the White House tried to put a spin on this following that hostile exchange. And then Ducey was a guest on Hannity with host Sean Hannity. I made sure to tell him that I'm always going to try to ask something different than what everybody else is asking. And uh, he said, you've got to. And that's a quote from the president. So I'll keep doing it. All right. The president's insult was cut from the White House video feed, but recorded on video stream by C-SPAN. 
Ducey's question about inflation came after a Fox News poll released on Sunday found that 85 percent of Americans are worried about inflation. Inflation has hit a 40-year high of 7 percent. That was back in December. All right. Also hitting record highs, violent carjackings. They are on the increase all across the country and apparently lacks policies on crime. And also our changes in driving habits during COVID-19 are blamed here. There have been more than, for example, 1,800 carjackings in Chicago last year. Over 500 cases logged right here in New York City. Last November, Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown revealed that an 11-year-old boy was believed to have been committing several of those vehicular carjackings. Unfortunately, this is a sad uh, state of affairs. Unfortunately, this 11-year-old has been arrested before, and he is considered a prolific carjacker in our city. Three carjackings took place within an hour of each other in Manhattan. That was back on Wednesday, January 12th. And in New York City, a 14-year-old boy was arrested just this past Sunday for allegedly pummeling two men and trying to carjack one of the victims late last month. That was up in the Bronx. The teen's father turned his son in around 9.30 a.m. Sunday in connection with that December 29th incident on Southern Boulevard in Foxhurst. Police say the teen ended up being charged with attempted robbery and assault. COVID-19 cases are, in fact, continuing to decline in the United States and especially throughout the Northeast as infections are down 12 percent from last week. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, said on Sunday that the nation was heading in the right direction. Here he is on ABC. If the pattern follows the trend that we're seeing in other places, such as the Northeast, I believe that you will start to see a turnaround throughout the entire country. Former FDA Director Dr. Scott Gottlieb said that this recent drop in cases means that health officials should soon drop things like mask mandates in schools and vaccine mandates. Here is Gottlieb on CNBC. The schools that have relied on them that don't have other forms of mitigation, it's all they can do. And so in the setting of an epidemic right now, you don't want to withdraw the use of masks for schools that have come to rely on them. But when we do start to improve That should be the first thing that we look at because we know that they're disruptive to children. We know that they've had a cumulative impact on the socialization of kids in schools. And former FDA Director Scott Gottlieb there and deaths are rising despite the falling cases, eclipsing 2,000 per day for the first time since late September. Well, news about the Black Lives Matter movement, the BLM chapter down in Washington, D.C., has called for the public not to automatically hail cops shot on the job as heroes before all facets of a situation are considered. In a series of tweets late Sunday, Black Lives Matter D.C. said the public should not jump to conclusions after a metropolitan police officer was wounded by a barricaded suspect late Sunday in the city's Petworth section. Now, the group said reaction and news coverage of the shooting was tilted towards law enforcement while tweeting out an incomplete list of people killed by metropolitan police during incidents last year. Now, the Black Lives Matter chapter down in D.C. also included a link to its hashtag stop MPD campaign. The campaign calls for an end to police violence and terror while pushing back on counterclaims that not all cops are bad officers. 
More crimes. Six people found dead right inside of a Milwaukee home on Sunday. They're believed to be victims of a homicide. They were discovered during a welfare check. And the killers on the run so far, no arrests in this. Residents from nearby homes stood outside the crime scene in shock. We are sick and tired of it. And we as a community, that means all of us have to be sick and tired of it enough that we step up and do something. According to the medical examiner's office there in Milwaukee, eight homicides were counted in Milwaukee County just over the past weekend. And that brings this year's total to 21 already compared to just nine during the same time span last year. Investigations continue. Out in California, Los Angeles authorities say four people were killed when multiple suspects believed connected to gangs ambushed a house party and started shooting. Police responded to this about 1.40 in the morning on Sunday to reports of a shooting at a home in the city of Inglewood. Neighbors heard this gunfire. I've been living here 25 years and this had a block, so it's a surprise to everyone. And officers discovered two women dead at the scene. Two men were also shot and killed. Another man was hospitalized in critical condition but expected to survive. Mayor James T. Butt said the number of shooting victims was the largest there in a single crime since the 1990s. Well, the Taliban is demanding, demanding the release of $10 billion in assets that were frozen by the United States and European countries. The demand here came as Taliban officials kicked off their first meeting in Oslo, Norway, with Western officials since seizing Afghanistan following U.S. withdrawal of its military troops back in August. Here is Taliban Delegate Safi Ullah Azam. This type of uh, invitation and communication will help European community, U.S., or many other countries uh, to erase the wrong picture of uh, the Afghan government. Azam is part of the Taliban's all-male delegation. He said the three days of meetings with officials from the United States, France, Britain, Germany, Italy, and the European Union, as well as Norway, were a step to legitimize the Afghan government. You'll remember the Islamist group took over the government of Afghanistan after marching into the capital of Kabul on August 15th as the Biden administration scrambled to evacuate U.S. citizens and their Afghan allies. 77 WABC time check, 557. Let's head over to the uh, traffic desk where I know Mark Garcia has, Mike Garcia has been very busy this morning. What's going on, Mike? <laughs> it's, it's all good, Deb. Uh, at the New Jersey Turnpike north between exit 14 and exit 13, due to a tractor trailer fire, the right lane is blocked, but two lanes have opened. Within the Hudson Valley, <clears throat> excuse me, within the Hudson Valley at Rybrook, I-278, two left lanes are blocked due to a vehicle fire. In Brooklyn on the, B- on the BQE, an accident occurred. The right lane is blocked on the I-278 eastbound. As a reminder, both east and westbound, West 135th Street between 7th and 5th Avenue, are all closed due to Friday's fatal police shooting. On the Cross Bronx Expressway, a disabled tractor trailer on the George Washington Bridge upper level outbound are causing a 20-minute delay. Alternate side parking rules are in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your tariff report on 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Mike. And your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center, mostly sunny skies today, warmer or highs 43, winds to 14 miles per hour. We do have a 20% chance of snow showers till 10 this morning, the overnight low 21, another sunny day tomorrow, the high 27. 
27, and right now 36 degrees, partly cloudy skies. Deb Valentine with your early news as we work our way to Bernie and Sid coming up at 6. Well, that Connecticut financial advisor who was arrested and then fired for going on an alleged racist tirade Saturday at a smoothie shop is being flooded with bad online reviews, as you can imagine. James Ian Nazo was hit with more than a 1,000 one-star ratings on Google. That after he was caught on camera throwing a smoothie at a teenage employee and calling her an effing immigrant in a wild scene. This happened at a Robex in Fairfield. Well, after that, the reviews popped up on Google's main search results for Ian Azzo's name, where he's listed as a financial consultant. Ian Azzo was let go from his job as a managing director at Merrill Lynch after footage started going viral of that wild encounter. And uh, police in Connecticut have charged Ian Azzo. Ian Azzo is charged now with intimidation based on bigotry or bias, breach of peace, as well as criminal trespass. And, of course, he has also been fired from his job as a managing director at Merrill Lynch. Deb Ballantyne with your early news. Sid is in the house, and I do believe that Bernie is back with you today as we work away to Bernie and Sid in the Morning program right here on 77 WABC.